Father, we thank you that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Risen Lord Jesus, may we hear your voice speaking to us and calling us through scripture and through the words of this sermon. Grant us your spirit to hear and obey. We ask this in your name. Amen. So unusually for September, usually in September there is a two-part sermon series on vision, values and direction of the church. Uh, That will be truncated to a one-part sermon series next Sunday. Uh, And instead, during this period of national mourning, I've been reflecting on how the life of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II points us to the life of Jesus, how her example points us to his example, how in this period of reflecting upon an extraordinary life, uh, we might not just be overcome by the sort of um, momentous occasion, uh, but might actually be redirected in our own lives and our own thinking about what it means to follow Christ. And last week uh, I spoke uh, about the eternal sovereign, uh, and today I've entitled my sermon The Gospel According to Queen Elizabeth II. So last week I suggested that the biblical vision of earthly kingship was designed to reflect the heavenly kingship of God. And we looked together at how Psalm 72 depicts the godly king as being concerned for righteousness and justice, worthy of devotion and affection and faithfully enduring through the ages. And in this way, the earthly king described in Psalm 72 points to the heavenly king, God himself. And I suggested that Queen Elizabeth II had exhibited these characteristics from this biblical vision of godly kingship. And so on earth, as as an earthly sovereign, she had pointed in her words and in the witness of her life to our eternal sovereign. And I'm going to say that this week I haven't really so much as written a sermon uh, as much as I have compiled one because I want to spend most of our time reading extracts from the Queen's Christmas messages over the years and trying to show how they point us clearly to Jesus, the servant king, the one who came not to be served but to serve. Now the New Testament model of kingship that we see expressed in passages like Mark 10, 35 to 45 that we heard read a moment ago, reminds us that godly kingship or leadership is always about servant leadership. James and John come and they make their request to be given the best seats with Jesus when he comes into his glory. And by this, we think that they mean uh, the glory that Jesus will have as a risen... uh, Sorry, by this, we think that they mean the glory Jesus will have, not as a risen and ascended saviour, but as a triumphant Messiah. That is to say that what James and John are expecting is that Jesus is going to deliver the Jews from their Roman occupiers. They don't have in their mind this idea of glory as being about uh, what's going to come beyond. In other words, James and John want real temporal power and status with Jesus in what they hope might be just a few more months or years from that point. And when the disciples hear about this, they're pretty irritated with the audacity of James and John, perhaps a little irritated with themselves for not thinking to ask sooner. But Jesus uses this as an opportunity to teach them about leadership, about the true nature of power, authority, and sovereignty. He says that dominant power and authority, lording it over people, is not the way of his kingdom. 
Rather, he says, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And this model of servant leadership is at the very heart of the gospel. It's reinforced the night before Jesus dies as he washes the feet of his disciples, taking on himself the responsibilities of a lowly servant girl. Now, clearly, I want to be plain with us. Our late queen was not a servant in a plain or simple sense. Indeed, she had scores of footmen and household staff to wait on her. But in another sense, she was called to a life of sacrificial service, in that she was bound to fulfill a particular role and function that was not of her own choosing. And that required her to dedicate her life to works of public service. For all the power, the privilege, the wealth and comfort that surrounded her life, we might remember that the Queen travelled the country and the world tirelessly for 70 years, probably getting on aeroplanes when she hadn't had enough sleep and really would rather not, visiting people and communities of every different kind. And as far as we know, she never lost her temper or refused to carry out a duty entrusted to her. Beyond the public eye, we know that she read daily briefings from government, the red box, and she met prime ministers weekly throughout her reign. She played an important diplomatic role in international relations, and despite employing 1,200 staff, it's reported that she feeds her own dogs. I think it's fair to describe her life as one of public service, and perhaps the greatest service she has ever done for us, the public, is to share her faith in the servant king that she serves. And it's this aspect of her service that I want to focus on today, how she expressed her faith in Jesus in a way that might inspire us to seek and to find Christian faith ourselves. So most of what I read uh, today will be from Christmas messages broadcast over the decades. And what follows is the gospel according to Queen Elizabeth II. Firstly, hers was a faith that was centered on and inspired neighbor love, love of neighbor. She was concerned for peace and harmony, goodwill, reconciliation between different peoples communities and countries. In 1967, in a nod to the changing times, she said, no matter what scientific progress we make, the message will count for nothing unless we can achieve real peace and encourage genuine goodwill between people and the nations of the world. Whatever technological advancements, whatever improvements in society, unless we can achieve real peace and encourage genuine goodwill. These count for nothing. Or in 1999, the year she opened the new Scottish Parliament, she urged people not to get excited by new gadgets. Remember, 99 was uh, right on the cusp of the millennium and the tech sector, the tech revolution, the tech bubble was uh, growing in the UK. But she also urged them in her speech to keep living by the Christian teaching of loving your neighbor. Or in 2008, when she said this in a Christmas message, she said, I hope that, like me, you will be comforted by the example of Jesus of Nazareth, who, often in circumstances of great adversity, managed to live an outgoing, unselfish, and sacrificial life. 
Countless millions of people around the world continue to celebrate his birthday at Christmas, inspired by his teaching. He makes it clear that genuine human happiness and satisfaction lie more in giving than receiving, more in serving than being served. We can surely be grateful that 2,000 years after the birth of Jesus, so many of us are able to draw inspiration from his life and message and to find in him a source of strength and courage. In 2012, she continued this theme saying, it is my prayer this Christmas day that Jesus' example and teaching will continue to bring people together to give the best of themselves in the service of others. She continued, this is the time of year when we remember that God sent his only son to serve, not to be served. He restored love and service to the center of our lives in the person of Jesus Christ. Her Majesty the Queen was committed to encouraging love of neighbor through service of neighbor. Honoring practical action and compassion in communities around the country. In 2014, she wrote, again summarizing this idea of reconciliation. She said, for me, the life of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, whose birth we celebrate today, is an inspiration and an anchor in my life, a role model of reconciliation and forgiveness. He stretched out his hands in love, acceptance, and healing. Christ's example has taught me to seek to respect and value all people of whatever faith or none. The Queen was committed to a vision of Christian faith that inspired love of neighbor and reconciliation and harmony between communities. Secondly, the queen was committed to a, a model of Christian faith that gave her strength. Uh, in 1952, just after her accession, we've got uh, the next slide for this, I think, Larry. Shortly before her coronation day, she ended her Christmas message with a request for prayer from all people. She said on this Christmas day, in this Christmas message, you will be keeping, it is a holiday, but I want to ask you all, whatever your religion may be, to pray for me on that day, speaking of her coronation, to pray that God may give me wisdom and strength to carry out the solemn promises I shall be making and that I may faithfully serve him and you all the days of my life that I may, may faithfully serve him and you all the days of my life. Her Majesty the Queen knew that prayer was a source of strength. Time spent with God in prayer and reflection and meditation would give her courage and strength to endure. In 1992, as many will remember, it was a turbulent year for the royal family after three of her children went through divorce and much of Windsor Castle was destroyed by a fire. But she said this in her Christmas Day message. Like many other families, we have lived through some difficult days this year. The prayers, understanding, and sympathy given to us by so many of you, in good times and bad, have lent us great support and encouragement. And then in 2000, in her Christmas message, the next slide please, Larry, she said, to many of us, 
Our beliefs are of fundamental importance. For me, the teachings of Christ and my own personal accountability before God provide a framework in which I try to lead my life. I, like so many of you, have drawn great comfort in difficult times from Christ's words and example. And then in 2002, she said, I know just how much I rely on my faith to guide me through the good times and the bad. Each day is a new beginning. I know that the only way to live my life is to try to do what is right, to take the long view, to give of my best in all that the day brings and to put my trust in God. I draw strength from the message of hope in the Christian gospel. Hers was a faith that was committed to a vision of neighbor love, faith in action, reconciliation of communities. Hers was a faith that was a source of strength, comfort, and courage for her in good times and in bad. Thirdly, hers was a faith that was centered on forgiveness and love in the person of Jesus. Next slide, please. In 2011, in her Christmas message, she said this. God sent into the world a unique person, neither a philosopher nor a general, but a savior with the power to forgive. Forgiveness lies at the heart of the Christian faith. It can heal broken families. It can restore friendships and it can reconcile divided communities. It is in forgiveness that we feel the power of God's love. Then in 2013, she said that for Christians, as for all people of faith, reflection, meditation, and prayer help us to renew ourselves in God's love as we strive daily to become better people. The Christmas message shows us that this love is for everyone. There is no one beyond its reach. Forgiveness is for everyone. Love is for everyone. And then in 2014, next slide, please. She said, for me, speaking personally, The life of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, whose birth we celebrate today, is an inspiration and an anchor in my life. A role model of reconciliation and forgiveness. He stretched out his hands in love, acceptance and healing. Christ's example has taught me to seek to respect and value all people of whatever faith or none. And then in 2017, more recently, We have a slide for this. She said, Jesus Christ lived obscurely most of his life and never traveled far. He was maligned and rejected by many, though he had done no wrong. And yet, billions of people now follow his teaching and find in him the guiding light for their lives. I am one of them because Christ's example helps me see the value of doing small things with great love. Whoever does them, and whatever they themselves believe. Her Majesty's faith was one that inspired neighbor love and reconciliation and harmony amongst communities. Her Majesty's faith was one that gave her strength and courage in good times and bad. Her Majesty's Christian faith communicated the power of forgiveness and the power of love for all people. And finally, Her Majesty's faith inspired in her and in many hope for the future. In these most recent years, uh, we have seen um, in testing times during COVID, 
the Queen break from the usual tradition and also give an Easter message. So she gave this message in 2020. She said, this year, Easter will be different for many of us. But by keeping apart, we keep others safe. But Easter isn't cancelled. Indeed, we need Easter as much as ever. As darkness falls on the Saturday before Easter day, many Christians would normally light candles together. It's a way of showing how the good news of Christ's resurrection has been passed on from the first Easter by every generation until now. The discovery of the risen Christ on the first Easter day gave his followers new hope and fresh purpose. And we can all take heart from this. Her Majesty's faith was in the risen Christ who says there was always a new day, a new tomorrow, a new hope. And just last year in her final Christmas message, she expressed this hope again. But I thought it better that we hear her words from herself. It is this simplicity of the Christmas story that makes it so universally appealing. Simple happenings that form the starting point of the life of Jesus, a man whose teachings have been handed down from generation to generation and have been the bedrock of my faith. His birth marked a new beginning. As the carol says, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Majesty was able in her final Christmas message to talk about the life and the teachings of Jesus as being the bedrock of her faith. The Queen spoke about her faith in Jesus Christ, a faith that inspired service and love of neighbour, fostering harmony and reconciliation between peoples and communities. She spoke about the faith that gave her strength and courage in good times and bad. She spoke about her faith that was focused on the power of forgiveness and the power of love for all people. She spoke about the faith which gave her and us hope for the future. But the power of her words was not just what she said, but how she said it. A friend of mine, John Kurt, has recently made the claim that the Queen was perhaps Britain's most important public theologian. And it's been observed that she didn't really give away very much about what she thought on matters of politics or contemporary social issues, but that she did speak boldly about her faith. It was the one thing, really, about which nobody could be in any doubt as to what she believed. Nick Spencer of Theos wrote last week, the Queen did voice an opinion at least once a year in the one broadcast over which she had control. It is telling that while the palace refused authorization to every would-be royal biographer, Her Majesty did authorize and wrote a foreword to the servant queen and the king she serves, published by the Bible Society. Her Christian faith was absolutely central to who she was, how she lived, what she hoped for. It was the foundation of her virtue. 
Nick Spencer mentioned this little book. This was published uh, on the occasion of uh, the Queen's 90th birthday. And uh, it's just a short and simple book, but it has lots of the extracts from Christmas messages that I have shared with us today. And uh, it's well worth looking for a copy and getting yourself one to keep and to read through. The Servant Queen and the King She Serves. And it's put together and published by the Bible Society, London Institute for Contemporary Christianity, and Hope UK. Three Christian charities uh, dedicated to continuing to help the gospel of Jesus Christ be heard in every generation and heard afresh. Uh, and as Nick Spencer observed, um, royal, would-be royal biographers didn't get much uh, in, uh, but she wrote her own foreword to this little book. Why was her speech about her faith so powerful? Well, these are the observations of my friend John Kurt, which I wanted to share with you because I think these are helpful for how we might think about sharing our faith, speech about our own faith in Jesus Christ. First, she speaks personally. She doesn't simply talk about Christian values. Sometimes those of us involved in Church of England schools or other charities or organisations have to talk about the, the values and ethos of Christian faith that inspire us. But Her Majesty the Queen spoke personally. She talked about my faith life and teachings in Jesus being the bedrock of my faith, my inspiration. She speaks about what Jesus means to her personally. Second, she focuses on Jesus himself, his teachings, his life, his forgiveness, his sacrifice. She didn't talk generically about God as though she didn't want to offend anyone with the particularity of Jesus. Her Majesty the Queen spoke unashamedly as a Christian. So she spoke personally first, she spoke directly about Jesus himself. But thirdly, this personal speech, this speech directly about Jesus didn't exclude people. Even though her life was rooted in her Christian faith, she was committed to a vision of Christian faith which makes space and is hospitable to everyone, whether or not they shared her faith. The former chief rabbi Jonathan Sachs has observed that all religious communities in the UK benefited from the generous and hospitable space that was made for people of every belief and unbelief by the Queen and by the culture of the Church of England of which the Sovereign is head. Hers was an inclusive vision of Christian faith that expressed God's love for all people and sought as well to honour the image of God born in all people. So she spoke personally about her faith. She spoke directly and focused her speech on Jesus. She spoke inclusively about God's love for all people and God's image in all people. And finally, it was always a faith expressed in action. Although the Queen spoke and dined with rulers and presidents, it's often reported that she seemed most at ease when visiting communities around the country or the Commonwealth. And those visits were usually to those places in which people offer care and service to one another. Schools, care homes, hospitals, community groups, places of worship. She honoured those who expressed neighbour love through practical service. This itself was a demonstration of her understanding of Christian faith as being not merely intellectual assent, not just something you think, but rather a new way of life. Her Majesty bore witness in her words and in her works to the Son of Man who came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many.
my prayer for us and for all those who will be reflecting upon her life at this time, that we might follow her example and that we might, here in Hoxton, be bold to speak of this same Jesus and to invite others into a knowledge of his love for them.